Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We are going to jump right in. We are concluding the Forgotten Ones series this morning, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, really jumping into this. I there's not the, the best way to, I don't have the, the, a really cool title, I don't have anything really, really awesome as far as that goes, I don't have a specific passage, I'm going to bounce to a couple different things, but the crucifixion, the story of Easter, the, the stuff that we will celebrate next week, and I promise you next week all the, feats, the seats will be filled in our church as well as churches all across our valley and all across the country, people will be in church but the story of Easter, the, the crucifixion, the things that we are getting into, I, I, I started to think about this, and we call it, or I call it often, we got, well, the story of Easter, the, the story of the crucifixion, the reality is this, it was real. The crucifixion, the, the Easter, what we celebrate as Easter was, was real. They were real life people, and it was real life people that that stood in time, that turned away a wicked man and placed a perfectly innocent man to death. It isn't just a story. It's not something that you just read inside of your Bible, but it's something that is written about, and it is, it, it is real. It is in history. And we oftentimes, I think sometimes, we, we kind of say, oh, that, the story of Easter, but Easter will be celebrated and is celebrated all around the world. In every culture, in every community, everywhere, Easter will be celebrated in the next seven days. Now, in our culture, in the American, in the American culture, and it's, it's similar other places, but some celebrate with the bunny and all of those different things. But the reality is this. We celebrate it differently, but it's always celebrated. Here in the, the States, we might recognize it through Lent. We might recognize it through the Passover which is more celebrated within the Jewish culture. They call it Holy Week, which would be starting today going forward when Jesus came. They call it the triumphal entry where Jesus came and the, the, the palm branches were laid down and, and he walked across and they did all those, the Holy Week. We have that coming up. They, it is a celebrated thing. It will be Friday. It's called Good Friday. Some believe that that was the day that Jesus would have went to the cross. Uh, we're not going to get into all of that this morning. I do not believe that Jesus went to the cross on a Friday um, because God's word tells us pretty clearly that he was three days and three nights. And Friday night to Saturday morning is not three full days to three full nights. And so uh, I don't believe that, but nonetheless we celebrate or many will celebrate Good Friday and they will they will do several different things. People will put away things. People will, will fast. People will pray. People will do all kinds of different things leading up to Easter. However, there are things that happen around this time that cause many of us to question. If you're like me at all, you've, you've said some of these things. How in the world could Judas have betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver? How? How could G Judas had, had, have just said, you know what? If you give me all that, I will take and give Jesus away. He walked and he talked. He saw the same things that everybody else did. He did all of those things. How? Maybe it's how could Peter deny Christ 
We talked last week about Pilate. Who in the world was Pilate to simply appease a group of people, a gathering of people? Why did he do it? For his own political well-being. And if we don't want to say it was for his own political well-being, it was for his own life and for his own future. Or maybe it's Herod. How could Herod have mocked Jesus Christ? Or how could the chief priests, those that were teaching and and all of those things, how could they be in and amongst the people that were riling the people, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him? How could these people do all of these things? Or maybe it's this morning we're going to talk about the story of Barabbas. Who in the world was Barabbas? And why would a wicked criminal, a murderer, a thief, a terrorist, one who led an insurrection against the Roman government, why would he be brought out to be set free? Who was this guy and why in the world is he even in the picture of anything that has to do with Jesus, this Easter story? We ask all these questions and as we look at it this morning, I pray that it all comes together and makes sense to us. But as I look at these things, I think of it in this way at the same time. We would say, how can we put Jesus up and how can we put Barabbas up on the same stage, up on the same platform, and one of them will be released? This morning we're going to look at it as kind of a Jesus versus Barabbas, but I would say in many regards in all of our lives, we do the same exact thing every single day. Though we don't picture it in the sense of Jesus and Barabbas, We may not picture it in that manner, but we do it every day. It's all over your TV. It's on the news. It's in the media. It's on our computers. It's everywhere that we go. It's it's all of the things that are faced with us, right versus wrong, evil versus goodness. It's so many different things. We watch it in our cartoons, and what are on the cartoons? You have it's cute there, right? You have the the devil on one side, and you have the, the little good guy on the other side. And we're going to give in to one or the other. And we, we think that are cute in those cartoons, but the reality is this. That's every day, right? Every day we have decisions to make. There are things that are all over. Abortion. The corruption. Pornography. Homosexuality. Sex outside of marriage. Drugs. Alcohol. Climbing that corporate ladder and just getting above. Maybe it's doing something In place of our family. The list goes on and on and on and on. That right versus wrong and we face it every day. And this morning I intend to do my best to shed light on these two things. Righteousness versus sin. Jesus versus Barabbas. And I pray that in your life, in your heart this morning. One, that you would allow God to pierce through your heart. And that you would just ask God in these next several moments. God, would would you speak to me? A lot of what I'm going to read today is just going to be Scripture. You're going to hear me say a few things, but I'm going to read a lot of Scripture, and I'm not going to put it all on the screens, but we're going to read a lot of Scripture this morning as we see who Jesus was, who righteousness was, and what sin really is. Sin is wicked. The devil hates you. He hates you. But the devil, as we know it, as we saw it in the Garden of Eden, is pretty smooth dude and he will slither his way into our lives and make us though we know right and though we know wrong he will make us question that exact thing and we sit every single day and we question in our own lives Jesus 
versus Barabbas, though we wouldn't put it in that regard because we know what it is. I don't have to question you with that this morning. But we're going to look at some of these things according to what God's Word says. And so if you would, just go with me in prayer. Father, over the next few moments, help me to portray what you would have said more than anything, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here. Father, I pray for those that may sit here that do not know you as Savior. Father, that they may cry out to you today. And Lord, for those that do, I ask you, Lord, that you would you would, would cause them to see areas of their lives, that you would cause them to, to understand where they are, and God, that they would hear from you this morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thought this morning is just simply that, Jesus. I really do not know how the best way to put this, but it's Jesus versus Barabbas. How do you do that? Two people that you cannot compare. We could have a lot of fun with that, and I've kind of joked about it. I actually had a whole thing written up in my sermon, and I took it out for sake of time. But you cannot compare Jesus versus Barabbas. If you're a food person, you cannot compare McDonald's versus Ruth's Chris. You can't do it. You cannot compare a Bentley to a Pinto. But yet we, will, we look at a story where we were literally comparing or we were putting two people up that are uncomparable. People that you, you could not put in the same sentence. Jesus and Barabbas. Jesus, according to Pilate, was innocent. In Luke 23, verses 15, 20, and 22, he says, There is nothing against this man. He was innocent. We cannot charge him. I will not charge him anything. He is innocent. Yet, to save his own life, Pilate said, Which one of these? Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, says this. And I believe that this is one of the most Piercing questions that all mankind should face and will face at one time. Verse 27, and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, whom do men say that I am? And the disciples responding back, they said, answered John the Baptist. But some say Elias and others, one of the prophets. And Jesus Responding back to them, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. I believe with everything in me, one of the greatest questions, or maybe the greatest question to all mankind of all ages is that question, Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? See, there's a lot of people that will say Jesus Christ was a good man, he was a prophet, he was so on and so forth. But whom do you say that Jesus Christ is? Peter said what? You are the Christ. Peter called it out and said exactly who he was. Thou art the Christ. Jesus was and is and is to come. Jesus was from the beginning Jesus was the father, with the Father when they spoke the earth into existence. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 1 John 1 says it this way, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal, that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. He was with the Father in heaven, but yet He was came down, and He was manifested. He was brought forth to light right in front of us. John 1, 1, a verse that we all know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was 
always there. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, starting in verse 6, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeliness or the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Again, Jesus always was. John 6, verse 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus always was. And as we continue, Jesus, or Peter said it this way, He was the chief cornerstone. Isaiah says that he is a sure foundation, a precious stone. John 10 says that he's the door. Jeremiah speaks of him as the great physician. In John 8, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. We just sang the song, I am. Jesus always was. Jesus also lived and walked and talked and was doing an amazing thing in and amongst the people. But yet, here we see Jesus standing, innocent, perfect, never doing anything against this other man of which one of them was going to be let free. One of them would be set free. A man who always was, a man who was perfect, as John 1 says, a man who was the Word of God. One of them was going to be let free. How can you, how can you possibly put them in the same context? But yet one of them would be let free. Jesus walked and talked and Jesus calmed the storm with the word. He fed 5,000. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He healed a man with leprosy. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He caused the blind to see. He made the dumb to speak. He raised people to life. You cannot compare this man to anybody, let alone what we would think in our eyes to a heinous, horrible criminal, a Barabbas. Jesus taught. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He said, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. He spoke and he said on, on how, he, he taught on how one should give in secret, he taught on how one should pray, not as the hypocrites, but in the closet, having our hearts right before God. And then he went to the men, he went to the disciples, and he said, Pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to, to lay up our treasures in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt. He prayed in John 17 some of the most humbling and incredibly thi or incredible things you'll ever read with your eyes. But he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. He says, I have finished the work that you have gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify thyself. He said, I have manifested thy name. God, I have done what you've called me to do. I have lifted up your name. He prayed then. He prayed for the believers. And he said, Father, would you keep them from evil? 
He said, would you sanctify them through the word of God? He taught through parables. So many. He taught us to have a firm foundation. He taught on forgiveness. He taught on the kingdom of heaven. He taught on the church. He taught about the rich fool. He taught about the separation of the sheep and the goats. He taught about the sower and the good soil. Jesus, a perfect man. This Jesus, this is what God's word calls Jesus. He's an advocate. He is beloved. He is bright and morning star. He is a refuge. He is our redeemer. He is my savior. He is the shepherd. He is the bread of life, the light of the world, the way, the truth. He is the Messiah. He's the mediator. He's our propitiation. He is the prince of peace. This Jesus cannot be compared to anybody. But here we see in a story, we see in God's word that Jesus was standing on a stage or standing in front of a gathering of people, a throng of people, where he was being compared to a man. Which one of these guys do you want to let go? Sin or righteousness? Good or evil? Every day we have these same thoughts. We have these same decisions every day in our lives. We see, as we read through Scripture, almost all of that that I just read. I'm sorry, I'm not giving a lot of eye contact as a good speaker should. But God's Word, God's Word is very clear who Jesus was and who He is. God's Word is very clear with the things that Jesus did as He walked and as He talked. But yet here we see Barabbas being lifted out and being, being, being pulled out of the background and being brought out to the people. And, and whom will we let go? Who will we set free? Will we set free the innocent, the righteous, the holy, the just? Or will we set free Barabbas? We cannot put Jesus versus Barabbas against each other. However, we do it every day. Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. He is meekness. He is temperance. He is goodness. He is faith. Righteousness, if you're to look it up in a dictionary, speaks of being free from the guilt of sin. He is the only man who ever walked the face of the earth that could be free from the guilt of sin He never had to think, man, I can't believe I just did that. He never had to walk in as a teenager to his parents' home and go, I hope my mom and dad don't find out what I just did. Yet, it is Jesus that we put against Barabbas. My second thought is just that word, Barabbas. Who was he? Matthew 27 says that he was a notorious prisoner. Mark 15 said that he had committed murder. John says that he is a robber. He was a hated man. He was a terrorist. He was a man who led an insurrection against the Roman government. He has no reason to even be mentioned in the same breath as Jesus. This man was guilty. The cross that Jesus was about to be laid upon was built for criminals. And they say in history, most likely the cross, the exact cross that Jesus was about to be hung upon was built for this man Barabbas. But yet Jesus stood on or went to that cross. He was a picture of sin, Barabbas was. 
Barabbas was a picture of every man to have ever walked and who could ever walk that would be set free from their own sin. Sin is mentioned hundreds of times in Scripture. What is it? Who has it? It was mentioned first in Genesis chapter 4 where sin was lurking at the door of Cain before he killed his brother. In Genesis 18 and verse 20, God says that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says, was grievous. Sin is real. And it destroys lives. Sin, God's word says, is in every man who has ever been born. Romans 5 and 12, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Jeremiah 17 says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Ecclesiastes 7, there is not a just man upon the earth that, that doeth good and sinneth not. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 1 John says, if we have no sin, we deceive, or if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. This morning, I wish I could, I wish I could code it in something kind, but sin is not something to joke about. Sin is not something that we should play with. Sin is not something that we should toy with. Church, sin is real. And sin destroys and is destroying lives. And forever, as long as we are living on this earth until Jesus Christ comes, sin kills. Yet we're looking at a passage of Scripture where we've got sin Versus righteousness. Wrong versus right. Good versus evil. However you want to put it. And we've got a group of people and we know who they are. They walked and talked with Jesus. They saw the man. They watched the thousands be fed. They saw people raised from the dead. There was no denying that God and Jesus Christ was an amazing man. However, what did they do? They screamed out. Crucify him. Crucify him. For what did they want? They wanted sin, not righteousness. Can, Bar can Barabbas seriously be placed on the stage with Jesus? Can one seriously look at these two and attempt to free the one over the other? There, of course, is no reasonable, intelligent person who would say certainly Jesus was guilty. He had never went astray. He had never fallen short. He had never missed the mark. He had never had a wicked or a deceitful thought, let alone a deceitful or a wicked action. Yet he stood on the stage and lived out all of the things he had taught. Think about it. I just read it. What was it? Jesus was peace and love and joy. I read before that that Jesus spoke about don't hate your enemies, but be kind, love them. And here Jesus stood on a stage in front of a gathering of people doing what? Exactly what he had taught all along. Hey, love your enemy. Don't despitefully use them. Don't do any of those things. He said, love them. And Jesus stood upon a stage face to face 
with the enemy. We live in Vegas. We love a good fight downtown, right? Many people, I'm not a big fighting fan, a boxing fan, a UFC fan, but man, people love it. They love the show of one guy standing on the other side or one side and the other guy coming on the other side and they'll stand there face to face, sometimes nose to nose. They go to fight with each other. We love it. We love to think that they hate each other until they hug at the very end and we're like, wait a second. And then they walk away with their check for $5 million. Jesus stood toe to toe with the enemy, chained. The only man that ever could have said, God, break these chains, didn't. The only man that ever said, that could have ever said, he could have looked at Barabbas, he could have looked at Pilate, he could have looked at Herod, he could have looked out in the crowd of the chief priests, he could have done any of those things and said, hey, God, take care of that chief priest. God, see that Barabbas? Make him fall. Yet he stood upon a stage in front of a gathering of people. And he did every single thing that he taught the men and women in front of him to do. And he gave them an example one last time. You know what I don't understand is this. How does Jesus allow Barabbas to be set free? And never once did Barabbas look and say, Pilate, Pilate, I am guilty. Pilate, there is, there is nothing that this man has done, or there is nothing that this man has done. Barabbas did not stand upon a stage and look at Pilate and say, but Pilate, time out. Time out. I stand here guilty. I stand here doing, have, have done, having done every single thing. There is nobody. He did all that he did in front of the public. He gathered the people and they fought against the government. There was nobody that could say, oh, that guy didn't do anything. He stood in front of the people and he accepted the fact that he was about to be let go. And as he walked down and he came into the crowd, he didn't turn back and say, Jesus, thank you. No, what did he do? He got into the crowd and he began to rile them up. And he began to give him high fives. And he began to scream with them, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Knowing that he stood in and amongst them, having done everything, and that man had done nothing. How? How does Jesus lay himself down? How does Jesus say, Father, please, would you let me go? But God, if it would be your will, I would take every punishment. I will stand and I will fight till the death. And I will give everything to you. But God, would you please? 
He knew that Barabbas would never say, hey, Jesus, thank you. He knew there would be people that would sit in chairs every Sunday that would act religious and do right things and do religious things and then stand before God and God says, listen, I'm sorry, but I never knew you. Because it's not about the things that we do. He knew that people would all over the world every day completely turn their backs away, but yet he took every bit of pain upon his shoulders and he said, Father, God, but if it's, if it's your will, how? Listen, in my infinite mind, I can't comprehend how anybody, you know what I like? I like when I take my kids to go do something fun that they turn around and they say, Dad, thank you. You know what I like? I like every once in a while when I do the right thing around the church that somebody would say, hey, pastor, hey, you did awesome. Great job. You know what we all like? We like somebody to pat us on the back and say, you're doing a fabulous job. Continue to serve. Continue to do it. But yet Jesus never once got a thank you from a whole lot of people when he just said, all I want is to take all that shame, all of that guilt all of that pain that you handle, I just want to, I took it all, why? Why are, you, why are you carrying that burden? Never did Barabbas say thank you. Instead he said, look at me. Look at me, I'm free. He celebrated with the crowd. This morning my last thought is simply this. It's you. It's you. It's me. Mark chapter 7 says this. And he said, That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these are evil things, and they come from within and defile the man. And in Romans 5 and verse 8 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus sat on a stage that morning, Early in the morning, before a crowd of people screaming and rowling against him, and he practiced every single thing that he, had been, that he had taught. He portrayed every aspect of his character. For while Barabbas was a sinner, what did God do? He died for him. While Barabbas was a sinner, Christ died for him. See, in our eyes, because we are human beings and we do the things that we do, we look at Barabbas and we say, but he was a murderer. He, he was a thief. He was a notorious criminal. He did a lot of bad things. And we look at people and we go, but I've not done that. No, we have done that. 
We are Barabbas. And though in my sinful state I might say that I'm better than you, no, in the midst of my sin, in the midst of me turning an eye to God, he said, no, I love you, Aaron. I love you. He looked at Barabbas, and though he didn't verbally say, Barabbas, I love you, he looked at him, and as Barabbas walked down, and as Barabbas said, crucify him, crucify him, he said, Barabbas, I love you. And while we were yet sinners, while Barabbas was yet sinners, while Aaron was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Sin is real, and so is hell. The punishment for our sin is eternal separation from God in a place designed for Satan and his enemies because they had chose to deny Christ. You and I were never designed to be in hell. You were not created that one day you would spend eternity separated from God. Instead, God created you to have a relationship with Him. He created us that way. However, when sin came in and sin separated us, Jesus stood and said, I love you. In spite of that, I love you. And he gave every one of us that choice to say, God, I need you. Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. It was the love of the Heavenly Father who set Barabbas free that day, not Pilate. John 19 says, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. This morning, I want to just tell you, you cannot do anything to set yourself free of sin. No more than Barabbas had the power to set himself free, you do not have the power to set yourself free of sin. Barabbas is you and I. Barabbas is us. And Jesus said, I love you, Barabbas. Barabbas was in chains in front of those people. Barabbas could not do anything. He could not go anywhere until somebody walked up to him and said, I'm going to cut you free. I'm going I'm to unlock the, the lock. I'm going to break you free. This morning, it's no different for you and I. For many of us or many of you may sit in this room and you may feel like you're, you're shackled and you're in chains and you're in bondage. And you know what? All I do is I go from day to day to day to day and this is just the life that I'm going to live. No. God never intended for you to live in bondage. God never intended for us to live shackled. He intended for us to live in relationship with the Him and relive with freedom. That's what He intended for us. And some of you this morning, you may sit here and you may say, Pastor, you're a crazy guy that's just screaming and yelling this morning. But man, my life is just full of brokenness. I am in so much pain. I... I really don't like anything that's in front of me. 
I don't like going to work. I don't like the things that I do. I don't like the things that I say. I don't like the people that are around me. I'm a miserable, miserable man, or I'm a miserable woman, and I don't understand. I can't take a step forward. Everything that I do, I feel like I'm just, I just feel like I grab, I just take all of this stuff with me. God just says this. He says, I came to break all of those chains. I came that you don't have to live this. I came this so that you could live life and live it to the abundance, to live it full. That's why he came. Some of you sit in this room this morning and you would say, Pastor, I know Christ is my Savior. I have given my life to God, but I'm standing here and I still feel like I'm just, I'm in bondage. I'm shackled up. There's nowhere that I can go. I just... I walk to church, and as I sit in church, I put a smile on my face, but I sit here, and I'm just so guilty, because if the guy beside me knew, if the woman beside me knew, no, God says, I came to break those bonds. I came to set you free. I came that you don't have to be that way. Listen, this morning, if you are a believer and you sit in that spot this morning where you just feel like, I can't get released, I can't get, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, let me just tell you something. Stop trying because you can't. I can't. I can't quit my sin. I can't do those things. He and only he can. I must, whether you don't know Christ as your Savior and you feel like you're trying everything that you can or you are a believer in God and you know exactly what to do, there is only one thing that I can do. Father, here it is. God, I am done. I cannot any longer carry this weight. I can't carry that burden. God, here. God, here. Because he is the only one that can. Christian, if you're trying to do more and more right, let me ask you this question. Did you have to do anything except fall upon your face and say, God, I need you as Savior to get saved? Did we have to do anything? No. So then why are we trying to do everything to get out of it? I can't. I cannot do more good works just because now I'm a believer and I have to do better. No. The only way we do better is to say, God, here I am. Take everything because it's yours. And this morning, I'm going to ask you these two questions. Maybe you stand in or you sit in this room this morning and you would say, Pastor, if I were to be honest, I have to just say, I recognize what sin is. I recognize that I've been in church before. I recognize that I've heard some of the gospel message. I, I recognize those things. But as I stand or as I sit this morning, I have to come to a place and I say, I am so wrapped up. I am in such bondage. I am in such fear. I live with so much guilt. I live with so much anxiety. I live with so many different things. 
And God, I recognize today that I cannot do anything else about it. And here I am. Maybe you would say, Pastor, for the very first time today, this may be fully grasped a hold of my mind. I understand it. And I need to give my life to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe you sit here this morning and you would say, Pastor, if I have to be honest, you don't have to be honest with me. God already knows your heart. But if I'm to be honest, I have to say, I am a Christian shackled up in chains, and I don't want to do it any longer. God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. God, I don't know what steps to even take, but I know that I do not like where I'm at, and I know that I have to lay it at your feet. And maybe today you would say, that is where I need to be this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.